What's up, guys? It's Eric. Hi, there's something wrong with my friend. I, I think he took nutmeg or something. Hey, guys, this is Joe. Look at me, look at me. I'm Leatherface. I'm on myself today. I'm dangerous. Take a sexy girl. How dangerous. His hand killed us yesterday. Yeah, it sliced me up real good. A desperate guy. It's my hand. It makes me do things I don't want it to do. And a pushy hand. <gasps> Sorry about your bush. And you've got a comedy. Scream like a girl. That dares to give scary movies. And now let's have to my girlfriend. You got a girlfriend? The finger. <laughs> Idle hands. Look at me! I'm Leatherface! Rated R. Opens everywhere April 30th. You're listening to Worth the Leafy, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. How you doing, Joe? Not bad, Eric. Not bad. Like that almost, one? like that? Uh, <laughs> I, almost, <laughs> I almost lost it. I, almost, <laughs> I didn't expect... You guys just heard the quote, but I, we do the... I do a little intro right after Joe did his quote, so I wasn't expecting him to do such a high pitch rendition of look at me on Leatherface. <laughs> so I almost lost it. But other than that, how's it going? Not bad, not bad. How's everything on your end? It's good, man. Um I know you just because I was gonna you just came back from Canada. You were I did. I did it was cool. Yeah, I did. I was in uh, New Brunswick, Canada, which is where my father's family's from. So I spent like three or four days up there. Definitely needed it. Haven't been able to go up there for like two years because of the because of COVID and everything like that. So it was great, great to be up there and such nice people, such a beautiful place. And if anyone, I think it's like the most underrated, especially where Joe and I live in the Northeast, everyone talks about going to, to Maine and which don't get me wrong, Maine's beautiful too, but it, to go just a little bit further and get to go to Canada, see such a beautiful space and the people are so kind and it's awesome. So it was, it was good. It was awesome. I got to watch a ton of hockey up there because whatever you know, it's kind of like how it is down here with like, if you put on like with like basketball, probably during basketball season, there's like a game on ABC, a game on ESPN, a game on, they just play a lot. <clears throat> and up there, it's like that. I was watching tons of NHL games, Canadian junior games. I did watch the Red Sox games. They're done. Um, but spring training will probably be starting right around when this podcast gets released. So, <laughs> so, so this that's podcast, <laughs> this, will, this will be our Christmas episode, everyone. Yeah, ready. Red Sox 2022. <laughs> um, but I have one thing that I'm watching that's going to surprise you, I think. Okay. So Bree and I started watching Squid Games. Oh, okay. So <laughs> how, how are you liking that? Because I feel like that, not, that usually, usually wouldn't be up your alley. So are you enjoying it? It a hundred percent. Well, at least how people sold it to me wouldn't be up my alley. Like I had, I had a few people tell me I should watch it. Like Adam was one of them. And he was like, Adam, Adam has a weird, like, uh, violent, like he, he loves like violent movies. So I thought it was going to be like super violent. <clears throat> and it was actually Bree's brother that was talking to us about it. And Bree was like, I don't know. And she said, how violent is it? And he was like, honestly, it's it's not that violent. Like, there's a few violent scenes, but compared to any action movie or whatever, it's it's not super violent. So after we talked to him, I was like, you know what? We'll watch one episode. And we watched one episode. And I was like, all right, that's definitely, I'll give it another shot. So we watched the second episode. And the second episode, have you watched it? So this is actually... Before I even heard of it, how was I going to watch this? And like she was talking about like this like show like that she's been watching called Squid Game. Like I've never heard of this show. 
thing blew up super fast. And at this point, I feel like I'm the only person who hasn't seen this show yet. So, <laughs> so, and this is another thing that Bree's brother told us that is important. You can Google like the ideal um, subtitle and audio settings because Bree's brother, when he watched it, it was like dubbed and he hated it. Yeah, I can't do dubbed. I had to do everything in the original language, subtitles, but in subtitles, I don't have a problem with it all. Same. Yeah. So we Googled like, you know, best way to watch it and set the subtitles right, set the audio right. And uh, I think you'll like it. We're only three episodes in. But for, for me, the first episode was good. The second episode is when I was like, all right, I'm, I'm bought in. I'll, I'll, I'll give this a shot. So we're like I said, we finished three episodes so far. I really like it. Oh, awesome. No, yeah. I love the I, I mean, I, I love I love Battle Royale, the movie Battle Royale. And I feel like this is kind of like along the lines of that, where it's just everyone's thrown into this. Like, I know it's different games in the show, but everyone's thrown into this one shitty situation. And Last Man Standing wins. <laughs> yeah, it's no, a really a, cool plot. If you do watch it. We'll have to talk about, well, even if you get a few episodes in, we'll have to talk about something because there's something that made me like, where I was like, it, there was a moment where I clicked for me where I was like, okay, I'll give this, a, I'll, I'm brilliant on this. So, um, yeah, what about you? You watching anything good? I mean, not really. I've, I saw Bond again. <laughs> I saw I Bond Bri, again. I yeah. asked Bria if she'd go see that the other day. She was like, she said she would see it, but like, she doesn't seem like she's super she- interested. So, this movie is not like other Bond films, and I'll tell her, like, you can tell it's more of an emotional turn for the character, so that might kind of encourage her a little bit more to go, because it's not like a traditional, like, Bond film. It's very much yeah, she's more not emotional. Even, she's not even against the traditional ones. I just don't think that she's, like, into, like, she doesn't need to go see them. Yeah, no, I, I get it. It's, and the only reason why I started against is because I was seeing it in 3D, and it's one of those movies where... I like three. I like three movies, but it's one that I know for a fact I'm not gonna release anywhere. So I just want to see it there before it leaves because the my last chance of seeing it. I'm actually, and I'm actually seeing it again on Saturday, so this will be my third time because Pow is gonna be seeing it, and I'm going with nice. her in Maine to see it. So we've been kind of working our way towards. We watched all the movies. It was her first time seeing any Bond film ever. Yep, yep. She really has been enjoying them. Um, so we're seeing the final film in Maine. But uh, yeah, I've really been watching anything. I've, I watched. The Die Hard Marathon over the weekend. So awesome. that was pretty exciting. That is awesome. That's <laughs> Take around with Die Hard. Nice Christmas movie. Yeah. And uh <laughs> I know I I I it is a Christmas movie. It is. Um I know. I, I don't know. think it's the best one, as some people uh, argue, but it is it's, a Christmas film. It's top, so. it's up there. <laughs> um <laughs> that was quite the heck tough. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking and, uh, that's a good tie into <laughs> what I'm drinking, but I'll get into that in a second. Um but I, I will say something news related that's exciting for me is I have to use up 98 hours of PTO by the end of the year. So that's I have to take awesome. off a lot of time or else I'm going to lose it. So Christmas week, I am, I'm, like, I'm off like two weeks before Christmas, like a week before Christmas, you know, a week after. So it's really, really something to look forward to. That's like um, everyone in my department, they all have more vacation time than I do because they've been there long and I, which is fair. And they all do that too. They take the second, every year they take the last two, except for my boss. It's me and my boss for the last two weeks of December every year. And then this year, a lot of them are taking off like the week of Thanksgiving too. And I'm like, how do you guys, I feel like you guys have even more vacation time than I think you do, but whatever. <laughs> like yeah, I, said, I, had a, I, 
I had a hundred, I hundred, hundred seventy hours and only eighty carries over. So I have to use up the remaining ninety eight, or else I, or else like yeah, I have like hundred seventy eight hours. So I have to use up the remaining ninety eight hours, or else I'm gonna lose it. So not yeah, the worst I one have, to have. I have uh, after the vacation I just took, I have four more days to use up, up there the, by the rest through the end of the year. But that's fine with me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. as you can tell by my giant hiccup that you may have heard. <laughs> No, I'm not going to edit that out, everyone. So you're, okay, all, you're all safe. Good. So turn your volume. Well, it's too late <laughs> now. But um, I'm drinking. So the, you heard from the trailer. We're watching Idle Hands, uh, the 1999 film. And it's pretty easy decision for me on this one. So we have a brewery near us called Idle Hand Brewery. So we've used, I used, um, their beer is always good. I used uh, their 4 Seam IPA. It's one of my favorites for one of our baseball movies, if not a couple of them, but in general, just a kick-ass brewery. This time I'm drinking their fall beer. It's called Brocktober. It's like a, like an October fest or fall fest beer. So it's delicious. And, um, I was pretty pumped when Joe picked this. Cause I was like, all right, I know right away what to do. So like I said, Joe picked it. And why did you pick this one, Joe? Why'd you pick Idle Hands? I mean, we did a few traditional horror films last year and this time around, I want to do more of a fun one. And for whatever reason, this is a movie I sometimes think about during Halloween, but I never get around to watching it. So this sort of forced me to finally sit down and do just that. Watch. You've Idle never Hands. seen this until now. Oh no, no I've seen it, but oh, okay, it hasn't okay. been like a get. Like I, I remember like the last time I saw this movie. I remember Austin having a bigger, uh, bigger part of the movie than they actually do. So it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, so it's finally a reason to sit down and watch it. And yeah, it was. It's a fun movie. <laughs> it is. It is my. This, my memory of this one is this was a huge one for my two best friends and I. We loved it. It's also where my love of Jessica Alba started. Me and a, a billion other kids, but go. And that's probably why my my friends loved it as well. That definitely didn't hurt. But going into rewatching it, I was kind of nervous because, like I said, we loved this when I when we were like fourteen years old. Quoted it all the time, um, but I but I knew that like going into this, it was almost certainly not going to be as good as it as I was when I was 14 or 15 or 16 or 17. So I was a little nervous. It was just a matter of how wrong 14 year old me was, you know what I mean? How, how, how what the difference would be. But like, I, I was, I was excited when you picked this one. So. Good yeah. Call. And for, for whatever reason, like, like you said, I don't remember really, like, I don't know when I first saw this movie and all I remember for whatever reason is the fact that there was a vent scene. There was the offspring and then there was Jessica Alba. And it was the only things I remember going into this movie um yep. and like i said i i thought that the offspring had a bigger part in this movie like with their soundtrack and but they really didn't and for the, like again i remember all the trailers and tv spots so i saw it closer to release but i have probably seen it since then yeah stuff that i i remembered same thing jessica alba devon sawa seth green and elvin henson totally didn't remember the vivica fox like subplot but the jack noseworthy stuff um, I didn't remember uh, most of it, so th- it was it was it was fun to rewatch. But so it came out in '99. Do you have any stats as far as how it did money wise? Didn't do very good. So <laughs> <laughs> Idle Hands came out on April 30th. Good time for it. 1999 had a budget of 25 million dollars, making 4.2 million to the box office. It was written by Terry Hughes and Ron Milbauer both who still work together today and have moved on to TV with shows such as The 100 and Eureka. Idle Hands was directed by Rodman Flender, 
who has also moved to TV for the most part, with the exception of the documentary Conan O'Brien Can't Stop. Oh, yeah. Directing lots of episodes from shows such as The Office, the new Scream series, and a little gem called The OC. I had it. I, uh, we can get that out of the way. I had, <laughs> I, when we talk about how they were going to the movie, I had uh, a note about Rodman Flender, which, by the way, that sounds like a fake name, but I didn't <laughs> he's, he's actually Timothy Chalamet's uncle. So that's pretty oh, cool. Oh, I didn't know. That's a cool old yeah, fun fact. Yeah. And like you said, pretty cool. It's, it's weird because he actually has a pretty cool career. TV is involved with, like you said, The Office, Ugly Betty, Chicago Hope, Gilmore Girls. And Joe's favorite, the OZ, the OC, and then my favorite, Conan O'Brien. That started after kind of like the, the Tonight Show, you know, disaster, drama, two, yeah, right in 2010. So, um, fine. Do you have any more notes as far as how it did? No, it was, it was a pretty simple one. The movie, unfortunately, I mean, it's it's it bombed in the theaters, but it has since kind of got this cult following, and even so much so that Scream, uh, was it who put it out? Was it Shout? I think I think Shout Factory put it out. And usually they're the ones who distribute kind of like cult movies anyway. So mm-hmm. this movie has had a, has a following now for the most part. Yeah. One fun fact that I, I didn't write this down, but it just, I thought this is what you're going to say. So I'll, I'll say it now. And I haven't fact checked this, but I read that in Dawson's Creek, there was an Idle Hands poster on the wall in like one of the rooms. I don't know if it was Joey's <laughs> room or whatever, but I thought that, I thought considering how success Dawson's Creek was like the show for that for the yeah. a certain age range at the time. So the fact that they had that poster up is kind of crazy. I don't know how much um, that costs. I know, I know. <laughs> that was all the, that was where all the money went. Yeah, they didn't get that back at all. But <laughs> <Get it> back. <laughs> so so critically, this is a tough one. So six point two out of ten on IMDB, which I think that's fair. Like it's you know you might think yeah. it's a little bit lower but or higher or whatever, but that's fair. 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw I that. I think that, yeah, that's pretty low. I, yeah. I mean, this isn't the greatest movie ever, but I think it's better than 15. I can feel, I, 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 a piece of me feels like the Stoner comedies were just kind of overdone at this point. And I'm sure a lot of critics were sick of the Stoner films and those themes, but there was, I, like I said, I liked it. This is a, this a yeah. fun film. Yeah. So 2.5 stars from Ebert. And honestly, okay, I was okay with that. I thought it was going to be a lot worse. Okay. Right. So this is a quote from his review. Idle Hands samples other teen horror movies like a video DJ with a tape deck, exhibiting high spirits and a crazed comic energy. It doesn't quite work, but it goes down swinging with a disembodied hand, which I think that that's that's pretty that's, fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, I think that's accurate. So, like you said, this one came out in April of '99. So in April of '99, we just talked about this recently, but April of '99 in film, never been kissed. Not a fan. Sorry, Alexander. I'm not, a Henry. Fan. <laughs> not a huge fan. Um, Go, Three Kings, which I think is super underrated. Uh, Life with Eddie Murphy. Um, the Mummy, Election, Entrapment, Pushing Tin. So not horrible, but not the greatest. I'm going to skip the outside of film stuff because we just talked about it when we did Never Been Kissed a few weeks ago. But um, other than that, in my life, I was 13, close to 14, finishing up middle school uh, with a reliable, I was a reliable stay-at-home defenseman in youth hockey. What was going on with Joe in 1999, April of 99? Jesus. I was You're playing like video games and I was <laughs> playing a lot of manhunt outside. And Because <laughs> yep. were you, were you t- are you born in 89? Yeah. Yep. I always forget that. Okay. Yep. So yeah, I yeah, was so. Uh, playing a lot of manhunt at that time. Lots of... Uh, I lived on Dead End Street, and lots of manhunt games took place. Cool. Um, back of the DVD summary. All it's right. It's going to be a tough one. 
when slacker teen Anton Tobias has his right hand possessed by a demonic force, he finds that his life gets a lot more interesting. His hand proves to be an appendage of death, killing two of his best friends, P-Nub and Mick, who return to life as wisecracking zombies. In addition to murdering those closest to him, Anton's evil hand significantly hinders his chances with lovely neighbor Molly. So that that is one of the and this will come up later, but this movie's also you know how like um, Pulp Fiction we said was difficult to describe because there was a lot going on, but it was like amazing. This one's pretty difficult to, to describe. I remembered that he had a possessed hand and he killed his friends, but a lot of the other stuff I, I totally, totally didn't remember. So yeah, I remember he killed his parents, for example. <laughs> like I like that was like when that yeah. happened, I was like, holy shit! Like when they pieced it together, like his shirt's missing. Big, I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is. This is some real, some heavy shit right here. So. Right, right. So, yeah. So some other we talked about director Rodman Flender, which I'm pretty sure is a fake name, not really, but uh, some of the other. It's this this the cast of this film is great, and that's why, even though it's not the greatest movie ever, the fact that it financially didn't do well is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I know. Um, and I think it's. If this wasn't Jessica Alba's first movie, if it was like one or two movies later in her career, I think it would have done a lot better. Same and even even Seth, Seth Green, Green. Yeah, yeah, same thing with Seth Green. Like he was, we look at him now, and he this would have sold. He would have sold tickets for sure. Oh yeah. And Devin Sawa, he was like you know, people don't remember him from his Casper days at this point. So, well, I think I think yeah, I think if the movie that this movie. The money that this movie did make was from Devin Sawa. Yeah. Because because at that time, so he had a pretty solid career in the 90s and 2000s. Fine Canadian boy, by the way. Uh, Little Giants, That's Casper, funny. Wild America, Now and Then, Final Destination, yeah. Slackers, which Slackers is another one that my friend Adam and I quote all the time. And I've showed it to a handful of people and it doesn't it doesn't. It's a movie for us, I think. I don't think <laughs> it's it's a failure, but uh, so he's also he's all oh I'm sorry, we still listening off movies. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna say cool. he was also did you ever see the show Nikita on the CW way back when? Uh, yes, I remember it. Yeah, I was never into it. I never like got really into it, but I remember it. Yeah, Nikita was pretty good. And he had like one of the pre he had a pretty big role in that show, which was kind of like that's where I honestly remember him from. Than anything else, like this Casper growing up with, but like I remember Devin Sauer from Nikita more than anything else. I feel like at this point. I think part of the problem with this movie financially, and I have nothing to back this up other than just like my, what I, the way I view things is, so Devin Sawa was a big draw to girls in this time in like the mid nineties, late nineties. And, but movies like this, like horror comedy sort of movies are generally aimed more at guys and stoner movies are generally aimed more at guys. So I think that they were kind of, they took Sawa, who they were hoping would draw girls in, but maybe he didn't draw them enough in that they wanted to see a movie like this. And then they may have lost some guys who were like, I don't want to, my girlfriend's always talking about that Devin Sawa kid. Now she's in love with him. I don't want to go see him in this movie. So it would be, obviously this is impossible, but if you could recast this and replace him with just like another guy in that era, um, It'd be interesting to see how it would go. Or even if you put just like, even if Seth Green was Anton, which by the way, I didn't write this down, but that name is ridiculous for this movie. Anton yeah, Tobias. That's such a simple little thing. But so if you put Seth Green as Anton 
and then just filled in another guy for his role. I wonder how this movie would have done. I think it would have done a lot better, but, and that's no knock on Devin Sawa. I just don't think he was perfect for this one. So, yeah. And, um, and, I, and even like, I going back to this before I, before we record, I watched a lot of the old trails and TV spots for this one. And they really did a poor job marketing, whether it was a horror or a comedy. And I feel like yeah. that was a huge like script on there. And too, like I going into this, I thought it was gonna be more like, I thought it was gonna be more campy and yeah. it kind of was, but the trail makes it look like it's gonna be a little more horror, uh, horror heavy than it actually ends up turning out to be. So I think that the marketing was definitely kind of, kind of rough for sure when it comes to what the overall product ended up being. And in this time in like the late nineties, it's hard to remember this, but this is before the internet was quite as big or as big. It was before social media. So this is a time where like, if your friend went and saw this movie and he said it sucked or he said it wasn't as funny as you thought it was going to be, or he was looking for a horror movie and it wasn't a horror movie, you just didn't go see it. Right. So it was a total word of mouth time unlike today like today you could go see a movie and trash it and i'd be like oh okay wow but then i could sign on to social media and see 50 people say it was funny and i'd go oh you know what i'll give it a shot this right. time it was it was word of mouth was a lot more important like face-to-face talk oh definitely and again the release day like obviously not every horror film is gonna release around halloween but april 30th is kind of yeah. a weird date for this one because <laughs> it's not summer it's not no. yeah yeah that is tough um so Seth Green, like we said, uh, we were just talking about him. So solid career, great career, underrated. Uh, Radio Days, Rat Race, a movie that is, I think I mention this every time we talk about Seth Green, movie that is a part of my childhood that we have to do eventually is Airborne. He was in that. Yes. Yep. Um, Austin Powers uh, films, Can't Are They Wait, which we've already talked about. The Italian Job, Scooby-Doo 2, Without a Paddle, Knock Around Guys. And then TV work that includes, but you know, no, this isn't all of it, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Family Guy, and a few other Robot Chicken, yeah. Robot Chicken, yeah, yeah, exactly. So probably the best, yeah. I'd say the best career. Absolutely. Next everyone. next to uh Anton's father, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh Eldon Henson. I will never see this movie, uh, but I have to mention it because it was his film debut. Eldon Henson his film debut was Jaws of the Revenge. So one of the horrible Jaws sequels, I think that one came out in 99. He was actually credited as Eldon Ratliff for the beginning of his career, which included Elvis and Me, Turner and Hooch, Radio Flyer, the Mighty Duck series. And I just found out, by the way, that his brother Garrett played Guy Germain in those. I, oh, I've seen awesome. the Mighty Ducks movies a billion times growing up. I never put that together. And I actually read that before rewatching this. And there was a few scenes where uh, Peanut, Eldon's character, Peanut, would like look a certain way. And I'd be like, oh, he, I can see that he's Guy's brother because in the, in the Mighty Ducks, they're so different. But Oh, I know. Can, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it. So, And then in 1998, he switched his credited name to Eldon Henson. And after that, he was involved with She's All That, uh, This, Idle Hands, Castaway, Lords of Dogtown, Deja Vu. So pretty, pretty solid career. Uh, not really too much work right now, but at the time good career and then jessica alba started with future episode camp nowhere i was down to doing that or heavyweights this year for like a summer camp film and i went with heavyweights but camp nowhere is definitely coming also in secret world of alex mack dark angel i just talked about her and never been kissed a couple episodes ago actually also in sin city into the blue which is from our movie scene days and that was 
it's just a movie that's like, look how good looking we are with God. Jessica Alba. And I know Paul that Walker. That DVD cover is embedded in my head for whatever yep. reason. The the color scheme, them yep. all glamoured up and like spray yep. tanned. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, let's put a bunch of really yeah. good looking people on the beach and see what happens. So and that, that um, never that never left the release wall either. Like that was up there for a long time. That goddamn movie. Yeah, it I never left that album movies up on the new release wall as long as possible <laughs> as a manager. <laughs> um, also in Honey, Good Luck Chuck, Fantastic Four, um, Machete, and, and and other films. But solid career, still ongoing. And she seems like, a, I'm not just saying this because she's beautiful. She seems like a really cool person, too. Like, I've seen her interviewed. She seems like a decent, decent person. So, and it's didn't supporting. She, didn't she step away because she had a kid? Didn't she step away from acting for a little bit? Because she, she had a kid. Yeah, right. Okay. I always respect yep, that when actors that. kind of step away from the spotlight for a while to have a family. Yeah, me too. And I also, she's also, um, she's taken a stand, uh, or at least she, earlier in her career, I think there was a lot of pressure or someone asked her about like, I think it was Sin City. They asked her to do a, a topless scene or something like that. And she, she didn't want to do it. And she said something like, you know, like if I lose a movie because I'm not going to do a topless scene, then that's and that's Something no knock movie. on yep. yeah that's no knock on anyone that does those scenes if you if you're comfortable doing it do it but um i thought that that was pretty cool that she yeah like, took that stand and she was still in the movie so good for her yep so and then the supporting cast just some smaller roles we mentioned vivica a. fox uh as debbie kind of the weird what was her religious like i can't remember yeah, it's, some, it's, some it's, sort a, of, it's the worst part of the movie <laughs> right yeah uh fred willard as mr tobias um the offspring as as the offspring <laughs> tom delong as the burger jungle employee and then kyle uh let's say is it kyle gas or kyle goss as uh he's the guy from um tenacious d and he was another he was the guy in burger jungle so yeah there's a lot of um like i know that guy and then jack Noseworthy, who i know him from um oh my god was it u571 um a lot of movies he, he's kind of one of those faces where for the 90s if you saw him, you'd be like, oh, it's that guy. So yeah, lots of supporting roles for him. <laughs> yeah, and he's another that him and and I'll mention this later, but him and Vivica A. Fox at the end of the movie, I'm like, why? What, what was going on? What was that whole? Yeah. you know what I mean. But yeah, did you have anything down for the more you know random trivia facts? I have a few. Yeah, so Jack knows where they played Randy, like we just talked about, and Katie Wright, who played Tanya, did not know they were half siblings until they met on the set of this movie. Which is a wild concept just to think about. That is, <laughs> so. that is nuts. That, my brother, did I tell you about my brother? So my brother, uh, my brother's in South Korea, and we have, like I said earlier, we're we have family in Canada, and we have this cousin who I don't think either one of us have met, or if we did meet them, we were like literally babies. And my dad was telling his cousin, like, "Oh, Ben's teaching in South Korea," and she said, "Oh, so and so is teaching in South Korea. That's weird." And they connected on like Facebook or something, and they lived like on the same street or something. Oh my god! How weird is that? Like on the other side of the world. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. That's really cool. No, that's really cool. This is the same hand that appears in the Adams Family, 1991, as Thing, played by magician Christopher Hart. Um, And speaking of other movies, that you know, this is another cool fun fact. Filmed in the same neighborhood as Halloween, the '78 original version. Saw that. And then my final one is. This is like, this is show that Devin is a, uh, a genius here. The dish soap that Anton, Devin Sauer, squirts into his mouth after attempting to smoke nutmeg and oregano is real dish soap. He came up with the gag on the spot. Look at that improvisational. Like yep. he is, a, yep. 
He's too good. Legend. Legend, legend of screen. <laughs> um, so the neighborhood was, what did you say about the neighborhood? Or the? It was filmed in the same neighborhood as the original Halloween was. Okay, so to, to tie in with that, the school gym where the Halloween dance is held is the same gym used for the high school gym in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie and uh, Jawbreaker. The movie oh, cool. 99. Yeah. You know what? It did look really familiar, like, and I definitely because I used to I saw Buffy quite a bit when I was younger. The movie, and that's that's funny you said because I thought I knew it, I I could I recognize it, but I couldn't like pinpoint where. We can't talk about. I know. I think I brought this up on the podcast before, but Joe and I used to work with this kid who <laughs> had never seen the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer in his life. Okay, fine. He would like see movies or shows, and just get obsessed with them, which I've done that too. But so he got into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Not this bad. Yeah. Right, right. So he got really into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And he was, was he dating Katie at the time? It was, I think, right before. Okay. Because I remember getting the phone call, like, because he would have called her, obviously, but I remember getting the phone call the night before it was going to happen. And then the night after it happened, it was was a really good, like, contrast, like, before and after, like, wow, I really fucked up. This girl that was my, that worked with Joe and I, she, I remember she came into the rental store that we worked at one night and she said, Ryan's getting the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy logo tattooed on his chest. And I said, you're an idiot. I'm like, he's not like, you fell for that. There's no way you're an idiot. You're so stupid. And oh my God, the kid got the Buffy the Vampire Slayer logo on his chest. So he came in and he like told me and showed me. And I was like, I was like, I was so mad. Cause I was like, I stuck <laughs> up for you, dude. I, I, it was completely impossible to me that you were that stupid to get the bottom. But, but I also have this thing where when people get tattoos, I don't make fun of them for it because I'm like, well, now it's on your chest. Like I, so I feel bad if someone gets a tattoo that I'm not a huge fan of because it's like, there's nothing you can really do except there is something you can do when your parents are so embarrassed by it that they pay for you to have it like laser removed or whatever yes. so he got the tattoo laser removed but it was yeah. that was quite i'll never forget it the night before I got the tattoo he called me kind of contemplating like you know should i get it? should i not get it i'm like no you shouldn't like you shouldn't get it like this is something that like you know you like it i'm gonna get an oc tattoo in my goddamn chest like i love the oc right. But like this is something that you have to just like enjoy as a fan and not have it displayed in your body, whatever. And then he has a tattoo, like we talked about. And then that night, immediate regret. Like I got the phone call the next night again, immediate regret talking about like, he's like, what did I do? I can't, I can't take my show off the beach now. So a couple of things on that. And you know, whatever you want to get tattooed in your body is your choice. But here's here's my problem with it, or was my problem with it. Like I said, if if Joe wanted to get an OC tattoo. Joe's been obsessed with the OT OC for 20 years or right around that. Right. Like pretty close to that since the sense of premiere in 03. Yeah. So pretty close to that. So while it may not be the best choice for most, Joe's got 20 years of like love of that show. It's two. You could also get a tattoo that like paid homage to the OC. Right. That wasn't the straight up logo off the DVD. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, if Ryan, Ryan could have found something in that show that meant something to him that to other people would just be a whatever, but he would know and could explain if he wanted to, that it was inspired by 
right fire slayer he got the the actual logo buffy yeah, yeah so and it's it it because he had a session with josh sweden as well and if he had a tattoo today it would not have aged very well just like a lot of tattoos don't i'm sure buffy you now buffy's still really popular but josh sweden's controversies right now we've definitely put damper on his uh what's going on with him i honestly don't know i'm not even joking oh he's so he the last maybe like a year or so he's been like people have been coming out that he was kind of like mentally abusive he took advantage of some woman he's been out of the spotlight for a little bit for that reason okay but right. yeah the tattoo though like it's <laughs> everything that could have gone wrong with that went wrong with it <laughs> it was it was one of the funniest things for my video <laughs> rental career because like how positive i was that that kid was not getting a buff tattoo <laughs> i was i would have bet i'm not even joking if if Katie or anyone was like, you want to bet a thousand dollars on it? I'd be like, yeah, I want to bet a thousand dollars on it. I'm going to take your money. And then he would have walked in like later that night or the next day, whatever it was. And I would have been like, crap, now I owe Katie a thousand dollars. But so anyway, we went off on a, we, we kind of went off on a little path there, but a um, couple of more random facts, both Eldon Henson and Seth Green's character names. So Mick and Peanut are based on the SNL skit where Eddie Murphy played Buckwheat from The Little Rascals, classic Eddie Murphy skit, um, who sang popular early songs that were popular at the time in a way that wasn't understood half the time. And in one skit, he sings uh, the song Looking for Love, and he sings Wookin' Penub and All Da Wong Paces. And it can be like, so that's where they got the inspiration for oh, that. Oh, that's really cool. They talk about it on the DVD commentary. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, because like, Penub's kind of a weird name. It's like, I was trying to wonder where that name came from, but yeah. that's, that's interesting. Yep. And then the problem, one of my biggest problems with the movie, this made it, or with like little, not a big problem, but a little problem I talked about already is Anton's name. I just think that's such a stupid name. But Devin Sawa's character is named after Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan. So if that's okay. me, if that's me, I make the kid's name like Mike LaVey or something. Yeah. Take the LaVey part. The Anton thing just looks too. Devin Sawad in a suburb in America just doesn't look like an Anton. That's just no. my opinion. Um, what, what did you have for um, not in this millennium stuff that wouldn't fly? So uh, something which would be pretty offensive and they use some homophobic, homophobic terms like the uh, dreadful F word and it is a tough one to hear. Um, but other than that, I can't think of anything else that was kind of intense throughout the movie other than just same. the homophobic slurs, unfortunately. Which yeah, is like same. we talked about, which this would be a theme with these older films. So it was just in the nineties and eighties yeah. probably too, but in the nineties, it was, it doesn't make it right, but that was just, you, you, we, we would have seen this in the, like when this came out, I saw that and didn't think twice. About right. It. And now you, now you watch it the minute that word comes out, you're like, Ugh, yeah, that hurts. I don't like that. Um, but yeah, I agree. Other than that, um, not a ton. So for favorite scene, um, I, I have a couple of things. So I, I think for me, it has to be all circled around the nutmeg and oregano scene, just because I have a couple of friends who are inspired by that scene um, and decided to try the nutmeg and oregano theory probably sometime around 99, 2000. It went about as well for them as it did for Devin Sawa, although no one in their family was murdered. So that's good. But um, And then Sawa's first scene where he is, the, so the opening, of, that's my, that, so the oregano scene is my favorite scene. The second, my second favorite is Sawa's opening scene where he is just every useless teenager, like just like spoiled 
useless teenager where he walks downstairs he he gets up puts on his headphones walk down walks downstairs he's in his own world just screams out to his mother that they're out of milk screams out to his mother that they're out of dog food like i said headphones in completely unaware that his parents are murdered let alone that he did it apparently um so that would be my runner-up of my favorite scene is the oregano scene what about you yeah the oregano scene is really funny um i love the whole opening one he's like you said he's we see this lazy stoner sitting on the couch and He's trying to get some more weed from his friends. And then we have the, the, uh, the line from Peanut. This isn't Domino's, you lazy bitch. Come over here, whatever. So I love that first um, uh, introduction with him and his friends because his friends were really good in the movie. They are definitely his friends one were good in the movie. And their, their relationship, their friendship is, is awesome. Like it's, it's such a... It's real. Right, yeah, exactly. it's real. It's like they rag on each other, but they also care for each other. So like you'll see these characters who one minute they're like okay you know whatever like you're you're an idiot they'll kind of be irresponsible but then the next minute they're like crawling through a vent to help him and his girlfriend right. so it's like they are good goofy and you know they're fun but i love their introductions i love their friendship and i also loved um for whatever reason this is a this, this is like the one thing i remembered was the whole vent scene when they're all like on separate ways trying to go through, through the vents we have um p-nubs crush who gets destroyed in the vents yeah we have <laughs> it's just chaotic all while the offspring is playing their covers and their songs at the school dance before they get torn apart but yeah i most of my favorite scenes were with anton and his friends though for the most part we talked about it before we started recording but uh my favorite part about the whole like when he calls peanut and asks for weed and then peanut's like this isn't domino's bitch get off your ass and get it or whatever and anton's like so mad and then Peanut lives like a hundred feet. <laughs> yes. So basically he has to just walk out of his house and walk pretty much across the street and he's yeah. there. It's not like he acts like, like uh peanut lives like in another state or something. He just has to walk a <laughs> hundred feet across the street. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think those are good picks too. Um, what'd you have down for soundtrack? Soundtrack can be heavy at times and then go punk other times. It had bands like Unwritten Law and Blink-182, which was like we mentioned, some cameos. And then had others like Rob Zombie. And it seemed like to fit the movie pretty well for the most part. It's not my kind of music. Uh, more the heaviest Gabriel's finest, Rob Zombie. I know. <laughs> what an honor. Yeah. Um, but I can't help but feel like I was cheated out of the offspring here. I wanted more offspring songs. They had so many hits in the 90s. And I still, like, if I... I hear the offspring i don't turn them off like i still will appreciate you know a good offspring song every once in a while and i'm kind of bummed that they only had two songs one that being a cover from the ramones so i kind of wish we had a little more offspring especially since they're marketed the movie was marketed with them like their songs in the trailer and everything they're in the movie so i think they had a waste opportunity there but the soundtrack if you like you know some punk and some heavy stuff i think i think you'll like it so my i think my opinion on offspring is a little bit different. And I think that the reason for it is just that I'm a little bit older than you. And my, so my opinion on the offspring is that when they first came out, I liked them, but I think I was old enough and listening to music long enough where I was like, I got to a point where I was sick of them. So I was like, there was a time in my life where if the offspring came out, I was like, Oh, just get turned to the chain station. I don't like it. But now I've been, it's, they've been gone for long enough and now I can enjoy them again. But yeah, and he's been, he's pretty like the least thing has, has like a PhD. Now. We went back to school and got his PhD. So like him. he's been, yeah, he's been busy. Good for him. Um, so this is, might be a tough one, but 
If you could change one thing, what would you change about uh, Idle Hands? I did not like the subplot at all with Jack <clears throat> and um, I forgot her name in the movie now. Um, uh, Debbie Vivica Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Debbie, but she Debbie. went. She was. She was like a. Yeah, I have to figure out what her her religious. I'll look at her religious title while you were. Uh, yeah, you it seemed that. just like really like almost like they couldn't figure out a way to end the idle hands like demonic possession so they brought her around with this like ridiculous subplot she's a and priestess a druidic high priestess that's what it was yes okay when she makes her introduction it's wild yes but yeah i think her whole subplot was kind of force i felt and you know i think it would have been better if anton's character found a way to just end it himself because the whole movie's revolving around him and this is his problem and he's already murdered a few people so i think it would have been better if he was able to be the one who ended this possessed hand and you know but we have this character who has like five minutes of total screen time in the movie come in and just throw a knife at the end and the hand just kind of disappears and she just walks off with jack which is i felt the, that whole that whole that could have all been taken out and just had anton be focused you know be the focus and then him and his friends end up taking the hand at the end i think i'm, I'm kind of saying the same thing as you but my major thing is, and I and I don't know how to fix this, but the storyline just kind of jumps around a lot. Like his parents did it; his parents are dead, but he did it. Even rewatching it, and I've seen this movie a number of times. I was like, "Wait, what?" Then he figures out that it was him, and he wants to stop it, but he can't. His friends are dead, but they're not really dead. And then, like you said, the Vivica Fox subplot, the Randy subplot. It's I have no idea why the whole Randy thing was even going on. It's just it's just too much. And it's it's funny, but it could have been used. It, it, the movie could have used a lot more structure and a lot more Definitely. trim the fat. Like you said, let let Anton take care of the problem somehow. Let him find a a, a holy something that takes care of it, and let him do it. Um, I don't know exactly how to fix it. Like I said, but it, it just needs a lot of cleaning up. Um, a, a lot. I think that the the basics of the movie are funny for this sort of thing, but. It was kind. Of, I don't know if it was rushed or what the deal was, but it's too much. Yeah, um, and then I could be putting too much thought into a movie about a zombie hand, but that's just my opinion. No, no, it, it definitely was a bit scattered for sure throughout. Like lots of bouncing back and forth between different different settings, different characters. So it does get it does get a little like you said. This almost like they ran out of time, or maybe they ran out of money because we clearly see them <laughs> struggling there in the box. Yeah, you know. and it's like it's an hour and a half movie, so I understand that you're going to have some. You know, you can't you can't cut ten minutes out of this movie because it can't be an hour right. and twenty minute movie. But even scenes like the scene where the the cops that were like seniors when he was a freshman like stop him on the street and right. they give him a ticket for littering. First of all, they looked nowhere near four years older than him. They looked way <laughs> older than him. And and the whole that whole scene at the end of it, I was like, why did that just happen? Yeah. And the cops weren't even funny. They were assholes, but it wasn't even funny. So. Yeah, they, they, they needed to keep it an hour and a half, but cut out 10 minutes of Vivica Fox and Jack and the cops and put in 10 minutes more of, of Anton or let him solve the problem. But right, Maybe even it's romance because, again, talk about have a forced romance, yeah. huh? Like that felt way like that did not feel like that did not feel right. The romance at all. <laughs> well, one thing that was cool that rewatching it, I was like, oh, I didn't remember that. And then I realized that the reason I didn't remember it is because they never really touched on it is the fact that jessica alba's character molly is like writes songs and, and he loves the songs that she writes and they pretty much mention it really once when he goes in their bedroom with her and you know whatever and yeah. then it's it's pretty much gone 
So that would have been cool. Like if, if, they, right. if that scene happened and he, she, uh, she connected with him. I was like, wow, this guy's legit. And then he didn't pretty much try to like sexually assault her because of his evil okay. hand, like have a normal scene, have that scene happen in high school before he gets possessed or before he realizes he's possessed and then have her, have him come at her again. Once he's had her, once he is possessed and let her be like, what the heck? Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a director or no, 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 that, that'd be right. Because like you said, like, cause she liked him being aggressive, which was kind of right. odd at first. So yeah. Yeah. So anyways, all that said, so this is Joe's pick, um, but we rate movies. If you haven't listened before, we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is uh, you turn it on, you get to the spot where Anton's parents get killed and it's too violent or not thought out enough for you and you turn it off. You don't want to watch the rest of the movie. You return it so you don't have to pay a late fee. All the way up to a score of five, which is I'm going to keep it a day or two or three extra, pay the late fees, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store so I can show it to my friends and family. Um, so it was Joe's pick, so I'm going to go first. Like I said at the beginning, I was kind of nervous to rewatch this one. Um, I remember laughing my ass off to it when I was 13 or 14, and I didn't want those memories totally ruined. Um, is it an Academy Award winner? No. Is it as funny as I remembered it? Probably not, although I think most of the one-liners that I liked, I remember liking still cracked me up. But like I said, it's an hour and a half. I love that. Um, funny one-liners, good cast. If I judge it for what it is, I can give it, I'll give it a 2.75 out of 5. There's a nostalgia boost in there for sure, but I still enjoyed rewatching it. It's an hour and a half, and I laughed. So not the best, not the worst. Dude, I we, this is the first time I think we've given an Oscar like that. That's the same. So I give the same exact thing at two point seven five. Like you said, it's it's not this amazing film. It's a stoner flick with a bunch of people for the most part sitting around, just kind of fumbling around the the script here. But it's it's a fun movie. It I laughed. It was like you said, maybe the jokes have been funny in the nineties when I was watching it for the first time. But I enjoyed what I was watching. I enjoyed their friendships in the movie. I thought Devin Sawa did pretty good for you know with his like almost like Jim Carrey-esque character like you know his, when he's playing around with his hand and having it like pretend it's like being pulled and tossed around I thought he did pretty good with his body movements um the soundtrack I thought was a little disappointing <laughs> because like again I was looking forward to certain parts that were advertised but yeah I I think I'm going to try and watch this every once in a while and not have it be shelled for another 15 years but it's a pretty fun Halloween film and it's a nice change of pace from our typical horror Halloween films we did in the past so yeah, so I gave it 2.75. And even um, another thing I would say, too, is like some of the movies that are more r- true horror movies from that era, like Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, even like Final Destination, I would kind of throw into the same. I think that this is a lot closer to the to those. Like, I enjoyed this almost as much as a lot of those and i think that that would shock those people i think it's a combination of this being better than most people think it is a little bit and those being not quite as good as some people think they are but it could be that i just grew up with this one more i didn't like really love scream when i was a kid it's better rewatching it than i remembered it but um but yeah it's it's i enjoyed rewatching it it's an hour and a half so right and it's it's, it's a fun film like I, and like i said the the cast is pretty good and their friendship really does show on screen. So, right. So, uh, beer, uh, the beer of Brocktoberfest from idle hands brewery was delicious. 
um, definitely pick that up. If you're in New England, you can, or at least in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, I think if pretty much if you're in New England, you can probably get some Idle Hands beer. And I haven't had one from them yet that I don't like really. So take what you can get. Um, follow us on Instagram. Suggestions are always welcome. We are on Instagram. We're worth a late fee. So just send us a message. We'll be back next week and it's going to be my pick, but I haven't actually decided on my pick yet. So it's going to be a, a surprise pick. Oh, I have boy. some things. Yeah. I have some things that are <laughs> up in the air. So we will be back next week and it will be my pick. Um, and we'll talk to you then. Look forward to, to talking to you. Awesome. Yeah. Have, hope you all have a uh, safe Halloween and. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What do you, what are you doing for Halloween? Joey? Are you doing anything fun? Probably not. I'm probably going to uh, binge some Halloween films. I mean, in the past, I would love to like make my costumes and go all on, like go to New York and march with the costumes and all that. But since the COVID and everything, it's been a way two years where I haven't made a costume. So I'm probably just going to sit back and binge some horror films. What are you doing? So one of our, one of our neighbors, they have uh, our neighbors, Corey and Jen, they have two daughters. And so right now the plan is that Bree, so my wife and Jen are going to take the kids trick or treating. And me and Corey are going to sit on their porch and hand out candy and drink beer. So, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm relaxing. hoping, I'm hoping, I, dude, I sound like such a grump talking around Halloween, but I, when Bree and I first bought the house, I was so excited to give out candy for the first, first year. And I know people say they're like, not every kid is social. And some kids have real, real um, social issues, which I'm totally understanding of, or like learning disabilities or whatever. And it's not that stuff that bothers me. It's like the kids that kids are just such jerks. Some of them where yeah. they, you give them candy and they're like, you don't have any Reese's peanut butter cups or I don't know. I sound like an old grump when I talk about Halloween, but it, it, it just bumps me out. It's, it's one of the things that makes me sound like I'm 85 years old. But, <laughs> and I started saying like when I was a kid stuff, so we don't want to go down that path, but. <laughs> well, it'll be good that you have someone else with you too. So you can like, both like compliment some costumes and make them some small talk with the, you know, see oh, how social these kids are. He's a good, he's a good people person. So I pretty much, it, it'll probably be like, we'll be talking in between kids. And if I get like, if we get one or two cool kids, I'll talk to them. But our neighborhood gets slammed with trick-or-treaters. So yeah. um, I know you're I'll, right in that corner. So yeah, I'll let him do the talking and I'll just like sit there and drink a beer. <laughs> Whatever. Sounds pretty so, relaxing, though. So, yeah. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween, all. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back next week and look forward to talking to you guys.